0: Well, welcome back to another special edition of The Lamp Post Listener. My name is Daniel. I'm Phil. And this is a podcast where we are going to be wrapping up our coverage of the C.S. Lewis International Symposium 2019. A lakeside chat, if you will. (laughs) This is is easily the best place we've ever recorded. We are sitting on a balcony
1: in rocking chairs overlooking Lake Susan. With the (laughs) wonderful fall colors of Montreat, North Carolina on the mountain in front yeah, of us. Yeah, this is a
0: really there's this means nothing to any of our listeners. <laughs> we're
1: we're describing a visual and
0: they and they can now picture. are hallucinating it. So, vividly. we have a lot to talk about. We had an incredible evening last night. Let's start with Douglas Gresham's talk about bringing Narnia to the screen. So, William O'Flaherty sat down with Douglas Gresham and kind of did a little bit of a Q&A talking about the different iterations of of Narnia on the screen. And so we can talk through a little bit about that. We should go ahead and just say up front, there was really no new news about the
1: Netflix adaptations. Yeah. Um, for some reason, we thought that maybe this is where they would announce or drop a trailer or something. No, you didn't. We thought that it was a, a very, no. very, very slim possibility. Well, I didn't, but you did. And you talked that's about not it true. a lot. I, I didn't d- want to call you out, but that's <laughs> what happened. No, I, I didn't. I didn't. We think, were hoping it wouldn't happen. <laughs> I didn't think we'd get much news on that front. I don't, as
0: much as I have loved our time here, I don't know if Netflix is extremely excited to uh, sh- drop giant, Bombshells at a, a conference of five hundred C.S. Lewis listeners. I think that's more of a Hollywood type thing. We started off by hearing about Douglas Gresham and some of the some of the books. He spoke a little bit about the books at first. He he said that his favorite Narnia book is whichever one he is currently reading. He says he reads them all the time as he prepares for different scripts that come across his desk. Whether it's adaptations on the stage or uh, just he just actually said he gets just a lot of scripts, even new scripts. For Narnia Books, which he says he does not like. So anyone out there writing the eighth Narnia book, uh, it sounds like Douglas Gresham just wants you to give Cut up. it out. <laughs> yeah. So he, he also mentioned that one of his favorite characters is Reepicheep in both the books and films. He said he really loved the way that they adapted them, him in in, in the, the Hollywood movies. He then went on and he talked... Uh, very highly of the actors who played the Pevensies. He talked quite a bit about some some stories from their time on set. He spoke very highly of William Mosley, who played King Peter, and just kind of his character off the screen, and that he was just a wonderful man. He told, said that Scander uh, was a troublemaker on set, and that um, he then told us kind of what uh, Georgie Henley and, and Anna... Uh, is it Popplewell? Is that how you say her last name? You don't know. Why am I asking you? that she is, is now married to another actor, and just some of the anecdotes he gave her, just, you know, be careful because he's
1: an actor, <laughs> you yeah. know, kind he of He said, thing. don't marry another actor, because you'll never be able to tell if he's lying. Yeah. And then she did, he said, but I think it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> so the the next thing that William
0: asked him was about the 1979 CBS adaptation, and, and Gresham's response to, were, you know, were you at all involved in that production was, oh, oh no, <laughs> he, he was definitely not involved in it. And then he, he did walk it back a little bit, and he said that it was good, it was good for its time. It wasn't his favorite, but uh, he said they were really limited by the budget.
1: This is a common thread throughout discussions about fantasy in general. We talked to someone who made a film about a George McDonald story, mm-hmm. and it's just hard to do fantasy because the special effects are not there if you are in the 80s or before, and then if you're later, it's expensive, and the budget has to be there.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think
1: we're getting to a place where people are recognizing that mm-hmm. they're like it's not worth making if we don't have the special effects budget.
0: Yeah, and then he went on. He he spoke about the BBC adaptations. He he spoke a little bit higher of them, but still admitted that he he didn't love them and thought they did a better job with with the Hollywood take. And I, what I mean by that is the the three movies from the the two the early two thousands. But he said he said again it was he he enjoys it for for what it is but just thought it was definitely lacking in some things especially budget wise
1: right so i think that the bbc version was almost point for point exactly like the book except for the fact that the special effects were just way not they're mm-hmm. not there at all and then the disney ones he really liked those but he still is not going to be satisfied until we have every single thing that lewis put in the books <laughs> in the in the show and i'm curious if that'll work like I, of all the things that could be made into a point by point exact one to one representation of the the literary work. I think Narnia could do it, but it's going to be hard to get the budget for that many things.
0: Yeah, I, I don't yeah, so let's let's
1: jump over the Hollywood stuff just for a second and talk about
0: uh, the Netflix stuff he shared. He you know, he really didn't have much to to share at all. He did say that he would prefer an episodic thing. That that was his exact one, episodic thing, and then later he did say series. And he says, if you were really, <laughs> this is, he said two funny things. He said he would love it to literally be exactly the book. And then he said, and if you were really stupid, you could even add to it if they take do, a <laughs> se- do a series. And, I, you know, I don't know if I necessarily agree that I would want a, a <laughs> exact take on the book. I, I'm fine with adaptations. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about it enough on this show, but even with, with the Prince Caspian movie, I actually like some of the additions that they make. Now, some I really don't like, but I, I'm actually okay with adapting it because the screen and the page are two very different mediums. But he was very clear that's that's what he would want to see would be uh, um, almost an exact remake of what we have uh, in the book. Oh. And, and he also said his preference would be that if they were to uh, have the budget, which he said, you know, he doesn't know about this, but he said he would actually prefer they just start from scratch. He doesn't want to, uh, you know, go back to the if silver If the budget chair, was big enough to do all of them, mm-hmm. he would. So let's actually go back then and talk about the the Disney and then the Fox, or I think it was Fox, right, that did the, the Don Treader, those adaptations. He was mostly satisfied with the line, the witch, and the wardrobe. He thought that was the best one that they did, and he said he, you know, he fought a lot of battles and he felt like he won quite a few. He was pretty happy with with the final outcome, and he reminded us that. That the rest of the world was too, if you look at the box office. Mm-hmm. He then went on to speak about Prince Caspian. He said he, he mostly liked it. He thought it was a, a relatively good adaptation. He did say it, he said it has some silly points, and he thought that the kiss between Caspian and Susan was a, quite a stupid thing to do, to quote yeah. him.
1: He also said people wrote him and asked how he could possibly allow that, and he said, I wasn't in charge. <laughs> yeah, he said, he, <laughs> he gets, said, I wasn't the director. He gets so frustrated because he says he gets a lot of mail. About that kiss, he's like,
0: I literally had nothing to do with that. I am not the director of the film. I'm just an executive producer. He's in a, he said, my role is that of an advisor. Yeah, uh, and then he and then he talked a bit about Don Treader. I think the best thing he had to say about it was that his favorite cameo is, is in it. I know you haven't seen this movie, correct? The Don Treader one. Yeah, I have not. So we, I know there's not much we can talk about. There's he talked about and for our listeners, he talked about the Green Mist, which you have no idea what we're talking about film. He did not like that. And maybe we'll talk about that more when we cover the movie eventually. But he talked about really not being happy with with the green mist that shows up in that film. So that
1: was about mostly what he covered. Do you have any other thoughts about that talk? We did have one funny story. Oh, yeah, tell Um, us. So this is the kind of person who answers a lot of the same questions over and over again. And you can tell because certain questions will trigger a certain story and he'll tell it we we spent a good amount of time with him this weekend yeah and the different speakers didn't necessarily hear each other speak and then when they all got together he would retell he, some of he the would stories, some yeah. of the they're, stories they're great stories they though. are and i like he is he has every right to tell them again it's mm-hmm. just because we were everywhere we heard the same story three times um but he um he He had a girl ask him at some press conference or not a press conference, but like some event similar to this, I suppose. And she said, did you film Aslan with a real lion? And he said, yes. And it was a real tragedy because Lucy was originally played by twins. And I had to tell her parents that one of them had been eaten by a lion. He's, he's like one of the
0: hardest things I've had to do was write that letter to that mother. And he eventually's like, "No, I told the girl I was just joking." But <laughs> I mean, he, I, you, he, yeah, he really, said
1: he, he pulled her aside, gave her a hug, and he said, "I hear that question a lot." He said, "It's okay, I hear that question a lot."
0: Yeah, it, I, I mean, I really enjoyed his sense of humor. He really, and he just—he's a storyteller. He I, is, you know, he is a storyteller. It, it makes you just wonder what it was like to be in that household with with Lewis and with Joy. And just this, this, and I'm sure a lot of that, I mean, some of that I think is his own just natural gifting, but I'm sure some of that comes from, from his upbringing. And I I just, I I loved his stories. And I think we can then kind of transition
1: this into the the evening that we got to spend afterwards. This is a very special thing. We got invited to a, a much smaller group. And got to spend time drinking scotch with the stepson of C.S. Lewis on on the porch of the house that he's staying in here. That's right. Yeah, we, every, it was freezing cold. <laughs> it was. Everyone went chilling. inside and got blankets. Those that could find them, and yeah, other others were just they put up with it and drank some scotch. Yeah, we're
0: the lowly Narnia novices, so we did not have blankets. But I do feel like we're on our way up.
1: We're getting there. <laughs>
0: So so yeah, and, and special thanks to to Justin Wiggins, uh, the author of "Surprised by Agape," who yeah, made will be it all happen. Yeah, he'll, he'll be on the show as uh, soon as a guest. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when, but he'll he eventually be on the show. Y- yeah, he invited us, and that was that was so kind and generous of him. He's a generous guy and a humble guy, uh, considering so, how much so he's he's done. Actually, even just walking there was quite a wonderful experience. So it was I don't know about nine o'clock or so. We stayed there till almost midnight. Yeah. I feel like, but. We, we were walking through the, through this beautiful mountain scene. It was night. It was dark. And we we're walking along the side of like this babbling brook with leaves kind of crunching on the ground. It was actually, I think it was raining a little bit outside, little too. A little fall of rain. And I was like, we're literally walking through Narnia to go hear stories about Jack. Yeah. And it was one of my favorite moments of my entire life. Just, just I mean, even getting that, even once we got there, obviously I love that. But just, just walking there and being like, I can't believe what we're about to go do. It was <laughs> a very exciting thing. So we got to hear a lot about, uh, Gresham just told lots of different stories and and I, I think we can share some of just the stuff that was there. One of my favorite things, though, out outside of Doug's stories, where Dr. Jerry Root was there, and and Doug would be telling a story, and he would be like, "Oh, and it was the it was the priest of, of Holy Trinity, or it was the this chauffeur," and he he would you know just say it, and Jerry would interrupt him for a second. But, oh, I, his name was so and so, and he's, "Oh yes, that's right, that was his name," and it was funny because it, you know Doug's telling these stories of his life from you know fifty years ago, and Jerry, who uh, Doctor Doctor Root, has done who, has, research. who has done all this
1: research, is telling him all all that he's filling him in on all the gaps in his own life i wonder what (laughs) that would be like to have someone know more about my life in the past than i do or or to know about someone close to me and that's what was who never met him that was was what was so interesting about the circle because also
0: uh david dr downing was there and he was kind of filling him in on on some stuff and
1: i think there were four people who are currently writing books about lewis in this circle and he he everyone was so so humble but also like willing to share Mm -hmm. what they were working on and uh, bold enough to speak up, everyone got a little interview about what they were working on. Those yeah. that were writers, and um, it was fun to hear. And many of them will be on the show, and and this season or upcoming seasons. Yeah, so. and hopefully we'll be able to extract some of the stuff yeah. they've learned too.
0: One of my favorite stories that that Doug told us last night was that <laughs> so Lewis, and I actually didn't know this, and I have not actually read this book, but he was talking about a grief observed after after Joy passed away. And I didn't realize this, but but Lewis wrote it under a pseudonym. I yeah. didn't know that um, because now obviously you go to Barnes Noble and Noble and it's got T. S. Lewis on it. And so he said that he wrote it under the pseudonym, and he's telling us the whole story of how he even came up with which name which name he was going to use and all that stuff. And so eventually it, it 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 gets published under the pseudonym, and it ends up on on bookshelves in Oxford. And he was saying that you know Lewis had had just gone through this this tragedy of losing his wife, and so many of his his friends and coworkers for uh, from oxford would, would go to the bookstore and they would see this book and say oh jack would jack would really really like this book it'd really help him in this tough time and so <laughs> they would send it to him yeah and, and doug said uh, around that season of their life he
1: would just go in every room and there would be
0: 20 copies of a grief
1: observed yeah. he <laughs> said all. he said jack never gave away a gift that he had received mm-hmm. and so they just they had 20 copies but one these in each room in the of house the <laughs> 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 when we got back to the room i couldn't go to sleep yeah so just to paint that picture it was after midnight and I tried to turn the light out and you insisted we turn it back on because there's no <laughs> way you're going to sleep. Yeah,
0: I, I wasn't ready. I was just sitting there thinking, like, what an incredible opportunity. And, you know, I, as I just reflect on our time yesterday and our time this morning, I'm just really blown away by the, the humility of of the group of people here. It's been so wonderful to meet all of these people who we, we've known through social media or through um, the podcast, but then to meet so many of them in person and just to ha- have our ideas of them confirmed about how wonderful and humble and generous they are has really just been a, an incredible experience.
1: I think it's been really nice to share meals with people. You and I knew each other, but we didn't really know anyone else, at least in person, mm-hmm. when we showed up here. And we knew a few people from the Internet, and we did speak with them quite a bit. But we also just sat down and started talking. And we always had a common entry point. And how did you first hear about yeah. Lewis? How did you hear about the conference? and That kind of thing. Yeah. So one example of something that's neat about a conference like this where you're here in person is that we sit down to dinner and we're having a conversation. And I turn to my right and the person who just gave the lecture, Dr. Hal (laughs) Poe, he's right there. And I was able to ask him a question because he had skipped quite a bit of his prepared talk. And um, I asked him about his thought process and doing that. And it led to this further discussion. And uh, you because you're exposed to a wide range of people. He was trained as a Baptist preacher and he said, you know, when I make a point, I just wave my hands around so that everyone knows <laughs> that's what the point is. There are little nuggets like that yeah, all throughout that the weekend. And just being here in person is so different than watching a few lectures on YouTube or mm-hmm. something.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I know we need to wrap up our time here cause we've got a we've
1: got to hit the road. Got a, a car to catch. <laughs> that's,
0: yes. But I, I just think we really have to give a, a special thank you just to our, our patrons who have, who have helped make this trip Possible. Who are increasing in number. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very thankful for that. Yeah. and But even just not just our patrons, but all of our listeners in general who's, who support and have helped spread the show and made this more exciting for us. We very much want to act as, as surrogates for some of them who aren't able to be here and be able to experience just some of the richness and knowledge that we've been able to experience this weekend.
1: We took lots of notes. Or it's not a weekend,
0: today's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, the weekend
1: has just begun. Yeah. We took lots of notes, and I think that it will continue to inform what we talk about. You took lots of illustrations. I feel. took a lot of notes and I drew a little bit too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean this makes sense cuz you're an illustrator. But I would look over during so many of the lectures and you you would literally on like one side of the page have your notes and the other side just the people sitting in front of us or you know the person on the on the stage you'd be illustrate. I get doodling? Is that is that, too, uh, <laughs> is that that not appropriate? You're treading
1: on some dangerous uh, you were What do no. you say? You say drawing? Is that, w- w- Sketching? Yeah, artisanal drawings. <laughs> um, no, just drawings. Uh, I would. I did draw the people in front of me a little bit. Um, it does help to focus a yeah, little I, bit. I, I was, Everybody yeah. has something like that, but um, I also tried to draw the people speaking because mm-hmm. you had them far away, so you could draw them smaller, but you could also look at the screen for the bigger details. And I tried to capture how they looked when they were speaking, which is hard to do because they're constantly moving around. But mm-hmm. I think that it'll really serve as a memory aid later on in a different way than a, say a photograph would or um, just notes.
0: Any last thoughts, Phil? Not for me. How about you? Yeah. I mean, my last thought, just gratitude. I'm, I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful for our incredible listeners uh, and especially our, our our patrons who are supporting us over at Patreon and, yeah, I mean, this has just been a beautiful week, and I'm, I'm thankful uh, for you and through our podcast and for and for the work of C.S. Lewis and and, and thankful
1: for for just uh, this gift that the Lord has given us. And it's, so it's been a great. It is, time. it is truly a gift. Yeah, and I think that one one big takeaway from this is that C.S. Lewis is still relevant today because he was speaking the truth. But he was speaking the truth about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we talk a lot about how cool it was to meet people connected to C.S. Lewis, but C.S. Lewis connected us to to the Lord and. Mm-hmm. May some people he introduced us and other people I think he just kind of reintroduced us or yeah. um, helped us clarify some thoughts on things and yeah I'm very grateful for his writing and uh, just that his work exists
0: yeah I, I don't think there's any other better way to to end this little recap so uh, we'll be back to your regular schedule programming before you know it see you soon